This is KCLR's Bottom Line with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, the Southeast's largest independent accountancy practice. www.onf.ie Hello, good morning and welcome to The Bottom Line, the programme for and about business on KCLR. I'm John Purcell and I'm with you until 10 o'clock this morning. Uh, It's a bright and lovely morning today, the odd shower on the way, but it's spring is on the way. Thanks to Brian Redmond for the last two hours. This morning on the programme, we'll talk to a married couple who decided that the pandemic and all it brought with it wasn't going to stop them opening the food shop of their dreams. They started in Kilkenny in the last days before Christmas, just before the latest lockdown and they've been open ever since we'll hear how they're getting on with the speed of the vaccine rollout a matter of great concern systematic testing is a vital component in the battle to return to normality we'll talk to a local molecular biologist whose company is at the forefront of developing rapid antigen testing kits and who's hoping to have them available on supermarket shelves regulatory approval dependent of course in a matter of weeks and we'll be bringing you the first in a new series we're running on the programme. It's called 20 Questions and it's designed to give you an opportunity to get to know the people in business uh, by asking questions you wouldn't usually hear asked in normal business interviews. All that between now and 10 o'clock. But first, the Kilkenny People is by far the longest established newspaper in Kilkenny with a history going back well over 100 years. It's even supposedly mentioned in Ulysses by James Joyce, although not in the first 50 pages, which is about as far as I've ever gotten any time I've tried to read it. Anyway, the KP, as it's known, has been a very important part of life in Kilkenny for years, and I'm delighted to welcome the new editor, Sam Matthews, uh, to the programme this morning. Good morning, Sam. Morning, John. How are you? Very well, and congratulations on your new appointment. Uh, your name came up when I was chatting with uh, Tom Malloy, a former editor of the Kilkenny People a number of years ago, and he first came across you when you appeared in the newsroom on work experience. Right, um, and thanks for having me on this morning. Um, yeah, that's uh, that's right, Tom. Uh, that was my first time in the in the KP newsroom, as you say. We we it was part of a a journalism a transition year a long course that I did in, in school. So we went in for a day and got, got the tour and got to to see what it was like in there. So um, yeah, funny funny how something like that um, comes up and and then you know fifteen years on or whatever, um, I'm back there in a professional capacity. Absolutely and uh, as I say congratulations tough time for all media though Um, you know I I saw in the Irish Times yesterday Alan Cox uh, the head man in core media the biggest buyer of media in Ireland warning of market failures and so on people want news they want local news and so on but it's a challenging time exacerbated by the pandemic how's it for the Kilkenny people? Yeah, um, I suppose it's, we certainly have, we face um, those challenges as well. Um, I think you know of, of of a lot of local papers, we probably were, were probably quite strong. But there's no doubt the industry and you know all all papers, all print media, traditional media is facing uh, pretty pretty hard times. The pandemic is responsible for a lot of it. Um, you know, it, it shut down you know a lot of traditional advertising. Um, between events, pubs, restaurants, you know, hotels, all that kind of thing, um, in a lot of cases, or certainly reduced it. Um, and then in terms of what we've been able to cover, I mean, something that would be synonymous with, with Kilkenny people, obviously, would be sport. We've had very little, uh, certainly, hurling or things to cover. Um, you know, that's all been delayed. So, you know, what last year, uh, this week, might have been 20 pages of sport is, is, is four or six at the moment. 
moment just while we we wait for that to resume. So, um, but there's no doubt advertising has been hit um, by the pandemic and it's following on from, uh, you know, the, the fallout of the, the global recession and uh, also the rise of the kind of tech, um, you know, tech media, new media, a lot of advertising revenue has migrated to, to the big tech giants. Yeah, and um, this week we've been marking just about a year since this whole pandemic really began to bite in Ireland. Um, the anniversary of the schools closing, the lockdown anniversary will be coming up at the end of March. It's been a tough year, but um, life is going on in good and, and bad ways. Um, some good news breaking yesterday, um, politically announced, I think the official announcement is, is coming on Monday, but about some additional funding for Kilkenny City Centre and the rejuvenation and, and upgrading of it also for Carlo, it must be said. Um, a lot of money involved. Yeah, I think the, the total figure is just over 18 or eighteen million. Um, so there's a couple of things in there. There's um, six, 6. 6.6 of it, I think, is for this uh, Kilkenny City Enhanced Livability Project, which is about, um, you know, the streetscape and upgrading connectivity between certain streets and just improving the overall public realm. And then you have... Um, the larger portion of the 18 million is for for the Abbey Quarter and for a couple of different things um, that are are planned for there. So we've been waiting to hear whether or not they they would get funding. Um, so I think it's things like this, you know, a new boardwalk there in the Greensbridge area. Um, there's transforming squash courts and that into into like a cultural home. So there's a few bits there that um, I'm sure the council is going to kind of fill us in exactly as to what it's kind of lined up for that. That funding, but great to see that kind of a, an investment. Yeah, and uh, also during the week, again COVID-related, uh, Kilkenny doing quite well on the COVID figures. Carlo, it must be said, at the other end of the charts, but just talk to us uh, about the Kilkenny figures. Yeah, I mean, it's something that I suppose, uh, by and large, uh, you know, there's been a few blips, of course, but I think Kilkenny has kind of fairly consistently been been in, in the right half of the table, let's say, you know, we see these kind of county-by-county county figures, um, and obviously we, we've the, the shared hospital there, which has, has also seen its, its spikes, and it's um, there's been times when there's been, you know, almost no COVID cases in it. Um, so I, I, I see the trolley figures were up again uh, yesterday. Now, they had been pretty good. Um, they were zero for a few days, but... Um, I, Kilkenny was certainly doing the right thing. It, it looked in terms of new cases, we were you know consistently bottom or there thereabouts. Yeah, um, very important to keep the cases down, but it's not the case throughout the country. They're they're kind of plattering off worryingly about five hundred five to six hundred uh, a day. But there's some businesses that have <laughs> have kept open and have even uh, been expanding. And, and I'm not necessarily talking about it in a good way. Fraud is ever present, and and stories of fraud popping up left, right, and centre. Yeah. So um, this week is actually um, Garda. Garda Fraud Awareness Week. So we've, um, you know, there's a joint policing committee meeting there for Kilkenny uh, on Monday, and it was one of the big things coming out of it was this massive increase um, in fraud, and some of it seems to be, um, you know, it's re- it's related to the pandemic, the fact that people are at home, maybe they're on their phones more, they're on their, their laptop more, and they're just, um, you know, if, if, if a fraudster or a scammer sends out a thousand um texts or emails or whatever it is if they even get one or two back it's uh it's a success so um you know um rises in in this type of crime are um, right across both the guarded divisions in kilkenny um and you know things like uh texts 
uh, even fake, you know, come and get your COVID vaccination. You just need to pay a fee, which won't happen. Yeah, I'm always surprised when we cover fraud issues uh, on on this program. We we invariably hear from businesses who who've been hit hit by it. Um, looking kind of into the far future, um, the development of of uh, a university has been on the agenda for a long time. Um, around here, and, and you know, new people coming in to start uh, new companies, international companies always want to know about education. There's been a, an IT in Carlow and an IT in Waterford. Looks like they're coming together in the Technological University in the South East. Um, you know, eyes on that from a Kilkenny perspective. Yeah, well, look, it's been something that's, um, as you say, you know, it's there a long time, certainly as long as I'm uh, covering uh, things, it's uh, it's been on the agenda and you know, what Kilkenny has always asked for as part of, you know, once we knew TUS, uh, the Technological University of the South East was, was something that was uh, in the pipeline. Kilkenny has, has put its hand up looking for at least a campus on it. Um, but, the, you know, the conversation around it has been a bit unusual. There's definitely been some kind of exchanges in uh, Oroctus committees and, and, and that's just, the, you know, people giving out um, about uh, the headquarters was one issue there for a while. Where would that be? And you know, I suppose the what what the ministers kind of said. Minister Simon Harris has said is you know let's not prejudge, just let's wait and see. But there's been certainly a lot of chatter in Waterford um, about that um, and on social media about where it should be or where it shouldn't be. Um, but I think everyone in the southeast, obviously, you know the mergers between Carlow and Waterford, but everyone kind of, you know, connected to it would be hoping to get something from it uh, for the benefit of everyone, of course. Absolutely. Well, Sam, pleasure talking to you and uh, look forward to having you hopefully more times on, on the bottom line. But in the meantime, best of luck to you and everybody in the Kilkenny people and indeed in all uh, the newspapers uh, throughout the region on what's a very uh, difficult time for all the businesses. Thanks, John. Good to talk to you. Yeah, thanks, Sam. That's uh, Sam uh, Matthews from the Kilkenny People. uh, And he was uh, just appointed in the last number of weeks as the new editor. We're going to take a break and we'll be back and we're going to talk about testing and how testing is central to getting business back up and running and indeed society. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you in association with O'Neill Foley Accountants. Our website, onf.ie, shows the full range of services we provide to businesses large and small. KCLR. To a command there on Olas, Linuic, August Sport, Gokloff. Do you for imagine now you're listening to the bottom line, the programme for and about business on Casey Law. Now I mentioned there in my discussions uh, with Sam about how testing is going to be uh, an integral part, along with the vaccine, of getting things back to normal. And I'm delighted to be joined on the programme by Linda Nolan, who's the managing director of MyBio, a Kilkenny-based company who are involved in the development of antigen, rapid antigen testing kits. Good morning, Linda. Good morning, John. Yeah, before we get into the uh, uh, story of COVID and your company, just tell us a bit about MyBio. You're you're a molecular biologist by profession, a PhD in molecular biology. Yeah, I have a PhD in molecular biology going back um, quite some time now, but that that is my background. And um, after that, I I would have worked in various science companies around Ireland, distribution companies and um, my roles there were, I suppose, sales and business development. 
Yeah, uh, unusually uh, sales and business development, because when one thinks of PhDs, one thinks of uh, people in labs and white coats and so on. You're a blend of the two things. You, you like to roll your sleeves up, so to speak, and, and be talking to businesses about what they need and, and then, uh, you know, supplying them with stuff. Um, yeah, I guess so. I mean, I couldn't comfortably speak um, with integrity about any scientific product if I didn't have the background I, I have. So I suppose I was lucky in that while I enjoyed doing the PhD, I knew that I wanted to move into the commercial world. And um, the business kind of came naturally enough to me. So I had the PhD in my pocket and then I, I just had to go out there and learn how to do business. Yeah, and... Um Talk to me about the company pre-COVID, uh, you know, my bio based in Kilkenny. What were you doing uh, before this uh, virus uh, uh, came along, I suppose? Sure, we were doing what we're still doing. So, I mean, pre-COVID, I mean, we're a life sciences company. We're based in Kieran's College and there's seven of us. And um, most of us are born and bred in Kilkenny, um, even though we've worked all around the world. And so before COVID, we were... As I said, doing what we still do, our business is with large pharma, such as Pfizer, Johnson Johnson, Merck Sharp Dome, and diagnostic companies, research labs. So we have exclusive contracts with suppliers of scientific products, and we represent those products and sell those products to our customers who are scientists, and um, they're based across those various industries. Yeah, so... um you understand viruses then, presumably, uh, and all that sort of stuff. Was the was the arrival of uh, COVID-19 and the declaration of a pandemic a kind of bolt from the blue and a surprise to people like you? Uh, no. No, it wasn't a surprise. I don't think it was a surprise to uh, anybody who knows anything about pandemics. Um, any epidemiologist would tell you that we were always going to be facing a pandemic once perhaps every hundred years. Um, But I suppose what really um, was hard to digest was the fact that every country in the world seemed totally unprepared for for it. Yeah, and how how should people have been prepared and how did the unpreparedness kind of manifest itself, I suppose? Overnight, in terms of our business, let's just give an example. You know, we had to help laboratories completely pivot they were, say, contract research labs and they would normally have been doing, say, microbiological testing for food companies or that kind of a service. And we literally had to help them get set up overnight to extract virus um, RNA from samples and then to do the PCR testing. So it was amazing to me that the world just didn't seem to have the technologies in place. You know, while we had these grand laboratories um, across across the world, across Europe in particular, they weren't equipped, you know, to, to you know, I thought we would have had um, the instruments and everything kind of nearly in, in storage for, for times such as this. But no, there was a huge scramble, a massive scramble around the world for um, products um, that would, you know, be used to extract viral RNA and then to downstream analyse it for, for COVID. Yeah, now we all remember the kind of shortages of PPE uh, and that, but also there was a big shortage of antigens, uh, which, as I understand it, are crucial to uh, the detection and analysis and all that stuff. Um, excuse my ignorance <laughs> in how to pre- properly ex- express it. But, um, you know, I know from looking at information about your company, you deal in antigens and so 
so on, um, and reagent and all of that kind of stuff. Um, how did you? How was your supply chain impacted by the the global, um, uh, you know, crisis? Yeah. Well, there's there's two facets to um, our contribution. You know, in terms of you know, we stepped up and we said, look, we we we, we can help here. We there's things we want to do. We read the literature and um, and how I mean, I suppose it was impacted was initially the um, the upstream. So. All of the extraction processes, um, our, our customers started screaming at us. Um, because of sh- uh, global uh, supply chain shortages, we weren't able to give these big labs who had received government contracts and all sorts of contracts from um, medical companies and the likes, they, they, they couldn't get their hands on enough equipment to uh, on time to extract the RNA, uh, to, to analyse it. But then we uh, very quickly pivoted towards um, what we believed would be a very important tool in the fight against COVID, which would be rapid antigen testing. So the rapid antigen testing, um, there was never any shortage of supply. Um, that came about, um, those developments happened uh, around September of, of last year, and there's no shortage of these kits. Mm. Um, the uh, vaccination is one aspect of of you know getting the pandemic under control. The other aspect I would imagine is testing, um, because a large part of this is people can be asymptomatic and still spreading COVID nineteen. Your your business has got into supply, supplying kits. Before we talk about that and what your business is doing, just talk to us a bit about the importance of testing as you see it as a scientist. Well, John. Look, as you said, the vaccine is very important, okay? There's going to be, there's, the rollout is happening, but given the limited vaccine supply and, you know, other issues such as vaccine refusals, what's happening is the virus will continue to mutate because viruses mutate to survive. So widespread antigen testing is absolutely key. It's critical. It's crucial. If we were to continue, or if we were to start um, widespread antigen testing. This will stop the spread of the virus. So, therefore, it can't mutate. Because current so really, testing is largely in the area of if somebody has a cough or a temperature, they get a test then, but they may already yeah. have infected people. Yeah, this is it. You see, the rapid antigen testing, the role of, of, of that test is for asymptomatic people. We know now, one year on, that 80% of COVID infections are mild or asymptomatic. So 80% of those people with COVID either don't know they have it or just have a slight inkling. They're not presenting themselves for testing to their doctors. So they're the people that need to be tested. So 80% of COVID infections are asymptomatic. So it only makes sense that continuous, rapid home antigen testing is the only way that we can stop this spread. So just briefly describe how a programme like that would work that you would like to see implemented, say, from tomorrow. Yeah. Well, it's already been implemented in other countries. So, I mean, two weeks ago, the UK government announced that they were sending by post 32 million tests to homes where they had um, children going back to school with instructions to use twice or three times a week. These new tests, they're not new, but the test now, the big difference is that they're far easier to use and they're much more comfortable. You no longer have to get the um, swab and go to the back of your head. This test now, you just go barely inside your nose, inside your nostrils. 
So the UK government, you know, took it upon themselves, sent out 32 million tests to family families with school children, as I said, going back to school. All across Europe, we're looking at the uptake of antigen testing. If you look at Austria, um, they have um, started antigen testing in schools. Slovakia, same size population as Ireland. They tested the whole population over a weekend. And what that allows them to do is to take out, like I said, all the asymptomatic people. Those people go into lockdown. They're not spreading the virus because what the antigen test is doing is it's telling you on that day if you are contagious, Mm. whether you know it or not. Yeah. And so I I think I've seen during the week pictures on uh, television of returning school pupils in the UK sitting at desks with the mirror in front of them and a kit laid out in front and they're, they're doing that. Is that the tests that you're talking about? Yes. Yeah, and, and your company produces these tests. Tell us about that and where they're available and how you're rolling them out. Those tests are available right now on our website and people are using them. People have been using these tests for the last, since we, since, since we got them, I'd say, what's that, September of last year. And um, instantly businesses... Um, who were afraid of being closed. Uh, they were the first to procure the test from us. Um, but they're, they're, they're available on the website, but our plan is to um, bring them to local supermarkets and to have them on the shelves of your Tesco's, your Dunn's, your Super Value, you know, petrol stations like Apple Green. And, I mean, you know, the plan would be you go in there, you buy a few, pop them into your handbag, you can use them for, just say your child is going to a sporting event or going training, you might want to give an antigen test before he goes training. Mm. And there's or the assurance that knowing party. that other people there have been tested as well, so not only that you're not infecting other people, but if you have the comfort of knowing other people have tested themselves as well. This is it. I mean, it's a, it's, a, it's taking the responsibility upon yourself to, to, number one, know where you are with your own health, and number two, to protect others. And so how many of these can your company uh, produce, Linda? I mean, are you talking thousands, hundreds of thousands, millions? Yeah, millions. We have hundreds of thousands. Um, I mean, we sell massive amounts, massive quantities. But like I said, our plan is to get them into the supermarkets um, where people can just access them. And what's stopping you doing that now? Well, we're waiting um, on a sign-off from the government to allow us to do what other countries are doing. These are already available, you know, in other countries on the shelves. And how long uh, are you expecting that to take? I I saw a press release you've just, uh, in the last week, if I'm not mistaken, the last week or so, applied for that appropriate uh, approval, I think. We're in discussions with the government, and it's only a matter of time. Um, Time is of the essence, though, Linda. Can you give us an estimate as to when these kind of uh, tests will be available in supermarkets? I can. I can. Um, I, I would envisage, if all going well, that these tests should be on the shelves in supermarkets um, by mid-April. Okay. And so if I wish I could say it would be quicker, but, you know, potentially it will be. Okay. Um, so if, if companies, uh, companies can get it at the moment, though, but if a company wants to implement a, a testing regime currently, what do they do? Well, my own husband, he has a business in town and he implemented the regime um, because um, I encouraged him to do so at the very start once we began supplying these tests. And um, his, his staff are tested twice every week and have been doing, they've been doing that since we accessed these antigen tests. And it brings you know, comfort to the staff 
Um, it's a benefit to them because they know that they're not on the day contagious. It's a benefit to them as well because they know they're not bringing the virus home to their grandparents or whatever. And most importantly, my husband's business is actually in, in the food industry. Mm. So, you know, he's doing, well. he's doing this to stay open. Fantastic. Well, Linda, um, it's it's great to chat to you and I suppose it's all oh, part of, you. we were talking earlier on about how the numbers in Kilkenny are, are down quite low. Uh, so that's all part of it. If people want to find out about your, uh, uh, how to purchase those kits, where can they find that out? They can just go to our website. So it's www.mybio.ie. So I think, you know, we we either all start using these tests and the government allows us to do so, or we all stay locked up. Okay, Linda. Well, look, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully we'll, we'll get, the, get the former and get out of these lockdowns, which are impacting business so much. Thanks very much, Linda. You're welcome, John. Thank, Thank you. you. That was Dr. Linda Nolan, who's Managing Director of My Bio, a company who are producing uh, rapid antigen kits, which are available currently from the company directly, but which, as uh, Linda was saying, will hopefully be available shortly from uh, the shelves of your local supermarket. The Bottom Line on KCLR with John Purcell. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants. Now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie We are Kilkenny and Carlos KCLR. Casey Lauren indeed, John Purcell with you, 22 and a half minutes away from 10 o'clock. Now, uh, most interviews on this programme tend to focus very much on the business end of things, and I suppose that's only natural as the bottom line is, after all, a business programme. But we rarely get an opportunity to delve deeper, so we thought we'd do something to allow us to do that, to delve a bit deeper and get a chance and to allow you a chance to get to know people you may have come across in business a bit better. So we're starting a new feature, which we'll bring to you on at least a monthly basis. We, we don't know if it's going to be actually weekly. Really, it's not going to be weekly, but we will bring it to you relatively regularly. It's going to be called 20 Questions, and simply all I do is ask uh, our particular guests 20 questions. So yesterday, I met with our first guest via Zoom for the inaugural 20 Questions feature on the bottom line, and I started by asking him to tell, him, tell us his name, where he lives, where he works, and his job. Have a listen. Uh, Declan Doyle. I live in Carlow. I work at the Institute of Technology in Carlow, where I am the Vice President for Development and Research. And were you born in Carlow, Declan, or where are you from? No, I'm a proud yellow belly. I was born and reared just outside of New Rasson County, Wexford. And tell us about your family when you were growing up. Yeah, I'm the eldest of five. I have uh, a brother, John, and three sisters, Murray, Don, and Cairn. Uh, my parents, Seamus and Mary, I'm lucky to still have both of them. They're aged 88, and they got their first vaccine shot last week. And tell us a bit about your education. Uh, I went to the CBS in Uras and uh, did my leaving cert there. I didn't go straight to college, as most people do now. This is back in 1979. And um, I... Later on, uh, I went to uh, the University of Limerick, just as it became UL, uh, back in eighty-nine, ninety. I did a diploma in business studies, came to Carlow then to do my degree in marketing, went to UCD for my master's, and I'll finish my doctorate in May with the University of Bath. So I'm an example of lifelong learning. Who had the greatest influence on your career path? Uh, well, definitely my wife Anne-Marie, um, because we're together since uh, 1985, and so she's helped manoeuvre me along the uh, career path uh, through the, the various 
uh, ups and downs and like even say within college here like I've moved position a number of times so her advice has always set me on the right path and what's the favourite thing that you have about your career um, I, I think like this sounds a little bit twee but um, like my sister recently did a family tree back to the 19th century uh, early 19th century and there's a huge tradition in my family of public service and public service is a really important value uh, to me like there's teachers and guards right down along the line like my sister is a nurse in Wexford my brother's in DCU my another sister and my son are both involved in politics my wife's a teacher my father was a teacher my grandfather was a teacher so the notion of public service and doing the right thing for the right reasons for the right people is a really important value to me can you tell us about the most important or a defining moment in your career yeah this is going to uh, again uh, it's a strange answer but back in July 1995 um, I had a my own business at the time and I was sort of I wanted to top up my business diploma to a degree it was just something that was just sort of bugging me something I wanted to do so Anne-Marie came down to the college to get a prospectus and walking across the campus now remember this is July so there wouldn't be too many people around she bumped into a man who became a great friend and a mentor to me uh, in work and outside particularly in rugby a man called Mark Atright and Mark helped me to enroll on the marketing degree uh, which he was a lecturer on um, when I came back to Carlo a number of years later as a lecturer, we shared an office. I was his manager for a short length of time. I was his assistant at underage rugby, uh, but obviously I wasn't much good as an assistant because he advised me to take up refereeing instead. Um, and Mark, unfortunately, he passed away from motor neuron back in November 2015. But uh, Mark was definitely had a huge impact uh, on me. And that was a very defining moment from back in 1995. Can you tell us about your typical working day, Declan? Um, I suppose I absolutely love the job I have at the moment. And one of the things I love about it is I don't have a really typical working day. Um, my department has four uh, sections to it. Uh, we have research supports, postgraduate studies, communications and the international office. So a typical day would involve all four to greater or lesser extents. And so like one of the big changes to my life since COVID struck is not traveling to our international partners. In a normal year, I'd spend 12 to 15 weeks abroad, mainly in China and Malaysia, but also across the EU. Uh, these days, because of Zoom and MS Teams and all the rest of it, we can have long days because we can be on a call now to China or Malaysia early in the morning. But we also have partners then in, in Toronto and out in Vancouver. So those uh, are evening meetings. Um, also, I would do a lot of the external engagement work with the County Councils, Enterprise Ireland, the IDA, etc. Um, but I have to say the majority of time right now is spent on work attached to the University Project for the Southeast. Uh, just this week, we've just had an advisory panel in to review our application before we send it on to the Minister in uh, April. And like we have hundreds of people now, literally across the two colleges, we have literally hundreds of people working on the project and we're building up really good relationships with uh, people in Waterford so like that that's the typical day now is working on the university project what do you value most in a colleague uh, their support for other colleagues I think like that's really important that that shows whether a team is actually functioning as a team whether they whether they support each other and also an openness to change 
because of the nature of the work that we do with international partners and enterprise agencies, etc., we have to be able to react to, to, uh, to change. So an openness to change is, is vital in, 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 my, um, in my department. How do you deal with setbacks and overcome challenges, Declan? Um, I do stress about things, um, but I use exercise as a de-stressor. Um, I run, and I use that word very advisedly, I run about 50 kilometres a week. I, a long run at the weekend and some shorter ones uh, during the week. Um, I, I do some gym classes, so I just give a shout out to uh, to Caroline O'Shea and, and uh, Keith Heary in, in Supreme Fitness. They're doing a super job keeping people focused and motivated. You know, in spite of the gym being closed for most of the past year, uh, they're really helping to build resilience in people. And uh, I like hill walking. I like getting away to someplace where there is no phone signal. Okay, what's the proudest achievement in your career? Uh, the proudest achievement in my career is on the future horizon. And that's the first of the first 22 and having the establishment of a university here in the southeast. That will be the pinnacle of my career. What advice would you give to people starting out in their careers? Be open. Be honest with people, behave ethically, and take pride in yourself and in your work. And how do you like to relax, Declan? Well, apart from exercise, uh, I do enjoy a night out in a good restaurant with good company and a nice bottle of wine. Uh, I'm spoiled when it comes to food currently, as my wife is a fantastic cook. She's a home economics teacher in the Presentation College here in Carlow, and she's uh, an amazing cook. And she has passed that skill on to our son, Rory, who moved back to Carlow just before COVID. So whether in our house or in Rory's house with my daughter, Naomi, um, I'm guaranteed good food and good wine. And tell us about your favourite holiday destination. Uh, we have a home in Spain. Uh, we have had now for over 20 years. So I love to visit Spain and use our home as a base to travel around other parts of Spain. Uh, I, I think it's an amazing country. Uh, I love the lifestyle, I love their, their culture, their language, their food, and all that. Um, two other standouts would be for our 30th wedding anniversary, we went to Cuba and we had an amazing time, amazing people in Cuba. And Maudie is from South Africa, so we were there for their wedding and, and again, it's an amazing country and someplace I want to go back and visit again. What has the pandemic made you realise? Um, I'll break it down into two, John, uh, professionally and personally. Professionally, some things happened overnight that would have taken years in a normal planning cycle. Uh, like a year ago this week, we had to flip to online teaching. And the amount of work that was needed by the lecturers, by our professional service staff, by the academic council, and by the students to deliver the learning outcomes and to do the exams in an online world, like that was a credit to everybody. Um, like the priority for us here in college at the time and always is that the quality of the programs we deliver has to be as we've agreed with our partners and our stakeholders. So to make sure that in spite of changing the delivery method, the degrees that the students got last year and this year are exactly the same level as any other year. And from a personal point of view, uh, it's about people. I really feel for the thousands of people bereaved in the last year, and not just the families bereaved by COVID, um, that there was a, a thing on the news just one day this week that over 25,000 people have died from non-COVID reasons since March 2020. And all of those people, plus the people bereaved by COVID, we've all been denied the rituals of death and loss that are a big part of our culture and our lives. So like writing a condolence on RIP.ie, that can't compare to 
a handshake, an arm around the shoulder, a quiet chat over a pint about the person who's gone. I think like that has definitely impacted me. If you had a magic wand, Declan, what would you do with it? Uh, I don't think I'd go back 30 years and whatever. Uh, my life has had ups and downs just like everybody's, but that's what makes you. So if I had a magic wand, I'd use it to uh, speed up the vaccine supply chain or do something to address uh, something that's wrong for people who don't have rather than people who do have. So whether that's health, providing a home for the people that don't have a home, security for the people who are insecure in their, in their lives, whoever it happens to be. I think that, that, that's what I would do with a magic wand. Tell us something about yourself that might surprise us, Declan. The, uh, something that raises an eyebrow always is I'm a lifelong Leeds United fan. And finally, uh, tell us what's your favourite piece of music. Uh, I'm a Bruce Springsteen fan, so I'm listening to his latest album, Letter to You, uh, I'm listening to that a lot these days. I think it's a really strong album. Uh, the lyrics really resonate with me at the moment. So, uh, yeah, anything from Bruce. I'd love to play that piece of music, Bruce Springsteen, uh, Letter to You, that f- piece of music chosen by uh, Declan Doyle, our first uh, guest on our new uh, piece that we're going to be bringing you, hopefully on a regular basis, which is called 20 Questions. We're going to be talking next to a business in Kilkenny City, which was just set up in late December. Tom. KCLR. The Yes, John Purcell with you. It's just nine minutes away from 10 o'clock. Not much time left on the programme. Just uh, to remind you that marching into spring is continuing on to KCLR's airwaves all during the coming week. Uh, No parades, no problem. We've got lots to cheer you up. There are going to be great prizes and so on. So stay tuned for all of that. Now, in the days before Christmas of last year, there was, if you remember, growing unease as covid case numbers rocketed and the inevitability of a post-Christmas lockdown became really clear to us all. We knew we were in for it. And just then, a new shop called La Bottega, selling Italian food and coffees, opened its door in James's Street in Kilkenny. Brave people, I thought to myself. I wonder how they're getting on. So yesterday afternoon, I dropped down to the shop and socially distanced, masked and sanitised, I met with the owners. So I'm Bruna Peixoto. I'm Italian-Brazilian, and this is my husband. Hi, this is Giuseppe. I'm Giuseppe, and uh, I'm Sicilian. And I'm in Ireland uh, since 2010, so it's now 11 years now. And uh, we both work for uh, um, a tech, tech, tech company, <laughs> yeah. And uh, we moved in this area in Kilkenny in uh, November in uh, 2018. Uh, so, yeah, we moved in this area because uh, actually uh, we were in Cork for seven and a half years and uh, we loved Kilkenny. So first time we saw Kilkenny, we fell in love with the city and uh, we decided to move our life in this area from Cork. So we bought a house, uh, we started a new life in here and... Um, there was uh, the city is amazing actually we both love it right yeah but yeah <laughs> the first time that we came here we were really happy full of life kilkenny and restaurants and bars 
and but the only thing that we that we saw that was missing was one Italian shop. <laughs> so then after considering it, talking a lot, even though we are in the middle of pandemic, but then we said, okay, why not give a try and and invest in the town and hopefully it's going to work. And Giuseppe, uh, tell us about where we are standing and where your new shop is. The shop is in the heart of the city. Uh, we are in uh, James Street. It's uh, close to Market Cross Commercial Center. And we love the area because it's a really live area. It's a lot of people walking by. And uh, even if uh, we are under the pandemic, so a lot of people, they prefer to stay home. Still, the, 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 the city is really alive. And um, we are glad about this to keep open the shop and to give a service the community yeah and tell us about the products that you you uh, serve here bruno you'll give us an idea of the vast array that i see around me uh, on the shelves yeah so we try to bring a bit of italy in each product that we have here and and as also that was the, the idea when we opened the shop is to provide an experience so when you step in here you listen to italian songs you see all the italian products you smell the coffee and you can taste it so uh, we try to bring a bit of biscuits and jams and good olive oil, balsamic vinegars, olives, um, pasta, dry uh, beans and yeah we have like a huge range. Also we thought about um, to bring a lot of products uh, gluten and lactose free and most of our products are palm oil free so we we do care about the quality um, also so it's not just bringing Italian products but bringing good Italian products to Kilkenny and Giuseppe um, a lot, we've heard a lot about businesses closing down you actually opened I think on the 19th of December in 2020 that's uh, quite a starting date to put on your CV into the future how's what's it been like opening a business during the, um, wasn't the height of the pandemic yeah, it wasn't easy actually because we were thought a lot about opening the, the, the shop because uh, when we thought about this shop that was in the beginning of 2018 so there wasn't really this kind of emergency like we have now but um, the idea didn't go out of our mind so we went to say, okay, let, let's try, let's give it a try and uh, what I can say honestly uh, this city, the, the community, was really supportive, amazing community. Since we opened, we had a lot of customers came in and supporting us, just uh, pushing to stay open, just don't, don't give up, guys. Yeah. And this is really, really, um, for us, it's really important because it gives us the, 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 the motivation to keep the shop open and uh, to continue investing yeah. in, in this city. And for people who've been, like, uh, initially... Uh, there's a kind of an Italian vibe about it and people love uh, going to the little narrow streets of say Sicilian cities like Palermo where you're from do you see parallels Has, is Kilkenny kind of like that I can say uh, without any doubts that Kilkenny people love Italian food and uh, and uh, I can see that they are really um, how can I say uh, they, they are really willing to to uh, to cook Italian recipe they come they ask questions so yes to answer to your question the answer is yes because I can feel 
that there is like a back in time in my city where people were giving a lot of um, uh, support to locals and here it's the same so they come here they're shopping here they're happy they come back so this is really really nice for us and i've seen uh, customers come in looking for products do you get, uh, you know and asking they don't really know what they're looking for uh, a bit <laughs> talk to us a bit about that experience yes. i can see you nodding in recognition <laughs> yes it's actually this happens <laughs> very often that they come here we, we for example um we introduced no long ago uh an italian and sicilian pastry called cannoli and I know a lot of people, they're coming here because um, uh, they're following Montalbano, which is a series that's which famous here. I didn't know it was so famous in, uh, in uh, Kilken, in Ireland. And they're coming for cannoli, but actually they have no idea what it looks like. So they ask me, where is the cannoli? Can I test it? And uh, this is very nice because, I mean, through this uh, show TV show we are introducing something then it's really tasty very good and people they love yeah 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 and we are of course in the middle of the pandemic and Italy has uh, suffered through the pandemic as well very badly has it posed problems in terms of getting uh, material over from Italy or is that is that going okay yes actually we are still experiencing some delay for mm, from our supply because um, not just for the pandemic issue but also for the brexit because um, since uh, the Brexit, um, we we had a lot of um, delay for the supply because they were passing through UK, and uh, the control now are more severe. So the the the, 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 the yeah the truck they are stuck there for 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 long now. We last one was like 20 days of delay. Yeah. So yeah sometimes there is some problem yeah so uh, i think next week you will be three months open how are you pleased with it and are you optimistic about the future absolutely absolutely actually we are investing more because <laughs> we are opening uh we are launching our website in a few weeks so we will support the community also with the deliveries so people can buy online and um, if they cannot come to the shop so yeah we try to give more services to the Kilkenny community. Yeah, absolutely. And just mention how people can find out more. Uh, you're developing your website, but what about social media? Still, we have a two uh, page open, but uh, Bruna, it's more, <laughs> more inside this. Yeah, we have Instagram and Facebook pages. So then you can find us at labotega.ie and also it's a way for us to to show our products and um post some recipes so then when people don't know really how to mix and match the ingredients or how they can cook the the fresh products that we have here so then we can give some guidance there and yeah giuseppe and uh, bruna liga thank you very much <laughs> thank you it was a pleasure bye Lovely to talk to those people uh, in their new store in James Street in Kilkenny, Giuseppe and Bruna Liga. That's all we've got time for, unfortunately, on The Bottom Line. Remember, if you've any comments or ideas, get in touch. The Bottom Line at CaseyLaura96FM.com. Thanks to all our guests this week, Sam Matthews, Linda Nolan, Giuseppe and Bruna Liga and Declan Doyle. Thanks a million to Deirdre Drummy, who produces the programme. Grazie mille, grazie a tutti. Gorev Mahagut uh, until next week just after 10 have yourself a good weekend and stay safe during the week do what's right keep the distance hold firm and keep the faith
KCLR's Bottom Line. Brought to you with thanks to O'Neill Foley Accountants, now offering a complete life and pensions advisory service to business. www.omf.ie